I'm a doctor, a father, an American, an Indian. I've had conversations about life from every angle, and as I've navigated the South Asian experience, I share stories of people and their purpose. And what they're saying over and over again is, trust me, I know what I'm doing. I'm Abhay Dandekar, and on this episode of Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing, I'm joined by Trisha Sakujawalia, the CEO and co-founder of Brown Girl Magazine. Stay with us. You know, to some degree, as social animals, we crave community. We crave dialogue within that community, and we want the reflection to think about it. In my high school, when I was growing up in a predominantly white neighborhood, a few South Asians and I started a club together. Now, we really didn't know what we wanted or what our purpose was, but it just felt good to gather and at least just be brown and South Asian together. While I'm pretty sure that this is not an uncommon story, it's definitely the spirit that primes a stronger sense of belonging and even further introspection into who we are and where we're going. In the case of Trisha Sakujawalia, Here's someone who's taking that same spirit and now providing an organic community platform to build, share, and evolve. Trisha is the CEO and co-founder of Brown Girl Magazine and is amplifying a sense of innovation, intersectionality, and pride in the ever-evolving diaspora. While she started this over a decade ago, which in a digital world seems like it was ages ago, Trisha has been successful at cultivating trust in the content that she curates for now multiple generations by staying fresh and celebrating a reverence for culture and storytelling. So to start our chat, I asked Trisha about what it means in 2021 to be a Brown Girl. You've now been a veteran of Brown Girl Mag and Brown Girl Magazine. What does it actually mean in 2021 to be a Brown Girl? Um, I think the beauty of, of what we are building at Brown Girl is multifaceted people. Um, and um, we are realizing that we are more than our resumes. And I think that's truly what we're building. Um, we are more than that doctor degree and <laughs> that law degree. Um, and we're finding our own beautiful creative paths. And we're also um, finding ways to unpack unpack our trauma. So I think in doing both, um, we become more than what's on paper and also definitely more than what our parents um, once dreamed of us becoming. We somehow have surpassed their dreams in ways that are unimaginable, literally. (laughs) Right. And I mean, that discovery process is so rich and vivid for so many. I think, um, you know, a sort of thought that comes to mind is as Brown Girl Magazine is evolving and now, you know, kind of reshaping and redefining what it means to be a Brown Girl in 2021, are you finding that that information is coming from the people you're reaching, is coming from brown women and girls um, and men and boys, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, the non in the non-binary community as well, is it coming basically from them or is there a Um, a method to finding out how to really define it or shape it. Yeah, no, absolutely. You're so spot on. Um, It truly is coming from the community. So um, from day zero, we have been a platform that thrives off of user-generated content. And user-generated content means that um, we do what the community says. Um, So a lot of my day is dictated by 
the temperature of the room. Um, so that's where that's that's Brown Girl's job is to essentially be the place that the community needs at that time. So if that means this week or the next week or three weeks from today, we are only speaking about farmers protesting in India. That's the only thing we'll do. Of course, we have to still sprinkle in the other stuff, but that will be the priority. And if that means the last two weeks we focus on Asian American solidarity, then that's exactly what we're going to do. So we, you know, my day to day is truly dictated by the community's needs. Um, and it does get difficult and um, it is it is a burden to carry. But I try yes. my best to carry that burden with um, a smile on my face sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. Right. I mean, and, and I wonder if it if that way it because. Um, you know, that kind of outlook probably brings you a lot of joy in being able to produce this kind of work and and make these kinds of contributions as well. A million percent. I mean, I know that if something is timely or if something is going to catch on, then I can already expect that thousands of people will be sharing it on their stories, on their Twitter feeds, um, maybe still on their Facebooks. <laughs> so right. that, that, that obligation is definitely there. Like if we're putting something out, I know in the back of my head, it can be shared with millions of people that I will never know and I'll never meet. And I want to make sure we're putting the best out there 365 days of the year, which is so cumbersome considering that I'm the only full-time person at Brown Girl. So it's right. really the passionate team of freelancers that do what they do best. But, but yeah, but just to know that any parcel of information or content that we put out there um, can be ripped apart, um, yeah. but it also can be praised. And, and that's hard to see and accept every single day. But you know, you know what, you bring up a, a good point there that there are some of the folks who are taking this content and um, seeing it and synthesizing it and translating it or ripping it apart or praising it. Um, folks who you may not know, you may have not have a relationship with, is that, you know, um, so different, I would imagine, from when you even first started the concept of Brown Girl magazine? Because, um, you know, social media is involving you, your, you talk about, uh, you know, different modes of, of social media. Um, Clubhouse now, of course, um, being so popular. The idea of this being, in some ways, you know, kind of behind some sort of veil. For you, has that been an evolution? I mean, since you, when you first started comparing that, uh, you know, process to um, now, um, has do you see any differences there? Definitely. In the past three to five years, I've seen the biggest difference. Um, we have grown the most in the past three years because that's when I took the plunge to go full time. Um, and but yeah, no, I, I've noticed such a difference. The engagement is so different. The way that people um, also comment is so different. Um, and I think especially in this past year with the pandemic, folks are just triggered even quicker. You know, and I understand right. why. Yeah. So, so grateful that I am not Brown girl. That's probably my biggest, you know, saving grace on a daily basis. I am not Brown girl. Brown girl is yeah. Brown girl. And that keeps me going. That keeps me uh, separated. Right. And, and the mission of course, uh, and the mantra is bigger than just one person. It's almost like now sort of feels good to develop into, you know, somewhat of an institution in that way too. A million percent. I always think that one of the best things we bring to the market is a faceless 
community. Um, so, you know, brown girls today can be, um, you know, British Pakistani brown girl to tomorrow can be a Indian from, you know, New York city. Like it could literally be anybody. And then, and then it could also be someone who is, um, gender nonconforming, but loves brown girl. And that's yeah. cool too. So I hope that, um, brown girl never needs a face. Is it, is it fun to be, I guess fun is not the right word, but is it, um, gratifying in some ways to be undefined, to actually know that that definition still constantly is moving. And there are stories out there that that we haven't told yet. Um, is that is there a sense of gratification and almost like discovery to that? It keeps it so that there's a longitudinal longevity, if you will, to Brown, yes. Brown Girl Magazine. Oh, my gosh. I need to talk to you about the business after this podcast, because that <laughs> you're so spot on in saying that. So my big vision when going full time at Brown Girl is has been to create an ecosystem. And the beauty of what we're doing in creating an ecosystem is we're telling stories in mediums that we never thought that we would. Um, and so, you know, two years ago, we founded the first ever Slashy Summit. A Slashy is someone who has a full time but is pursuing various side hustles like myself, like you as well. Uh, <laughs> right. And so that there's beauty in not knowing what's going to come of the Slashy Summit. Then right after we released our first ever merch line called key power stands for girl power obviously perfect uh, perfectly sits in our ethos but again there's beauty in merch in not knowing where merch is going to take us um we released two different podcasts the one that we released last year which we'll have a second season of coming up this may called chat room it's all about telling the stories of south asian folks in hollywood Yes. So there again is just a full gamut of content and stories that we haven't told yet. And then yeah. finally, last year, we published our first ever print book called um, Untold, Defining Moments of the Uprooted. It's a collection of 32 original stories, all of which are nonfiction written by emerging South Asian voices in the diaspora. And that is probably the biggest proof that, yes, we've been playing this digital game for the past decade at Brown Girl, but what does the print world look like? And that's something that's still truly undiscovered for us. Like I'm, of course, figuring it out. Um, what I'm realizing is publishing world is hard as hell. And yes. oh my God, someone come save me, but I'm still here and I want to produce more books, you know? So that's where I am in my journey at Brown Girl is figuring out new nuanced, but also niche ways to tell stories that empower South Asians living in the diaspora. What I think I, I love about that is there are so many different ways to generate relationships with people and so many different methods to do it. Um, that they, And it's endless, right? So it's a, it's a fun way to, in some ways, connect more and more um, with the diaspora. Let, let me ask you this. As you were growing up, was there an aha moment or any motivators um, in the sort of genesis of Brown Girl Magazine? Or was it kind of a, a series of reflections and realizations that you had? How did this how did the story evolve for you? Absolutely. Well, of course, 2020 is hindsight. So there were so many little, um, you know, initiatives that I had taken up in high school and college, not realizing that it would eventually lead me to the path that I am here today. But I think the biggest indicator of it that I realize now is, as um, a 31 year old woman is is in high school, I co-founded the Desi Club because we didn't have one. And um, that meant, you know, asking for a budget 
Um, that also meant finding a, uh, a counselor who could sign off on our Desi Club. That also meant putting on um, programming and events so that we could continue running the year after. Right. And finally, that meant inviting folks from the community who never had heard of a Desi Club or maybe didn't yeah. care enough to have a Desi Club because in high school, still in high school, we were still struggling with our South Asian identity. Right. All right. of us South Asian millennials have only just figured it out really in the past less than a decade or so. So yeah. in high school, many of us didn't even want to be Desi or South Asian, and we were definitely shying away from that identity. So realizing now that, wow, I can't believe I took on that gigantic, like, you know, project in high school and totally made it. And, and Desi Club has existed now at my high school for years and years after yeah. is, is the biggest indicator for me, knowing that um, cultivating a space for South Asians is something that I was doing in inherently. Um, and now I need to do it in a way that can be scalable. <laughs> so, yeah. You, you mentioned the sort of responsibility in some ways to the community. Is um, that responsibility now the same sense that carries and motivates not only the existing Daisy Club at your high school, but for Brown Girl Magazine, is that the kind of major motivator? Because it's a, it is a sense of duty and responsibility in some ways to yourselves and to the community. Absolutely. I mean, gosh, without the representation of South Asians, like where would we be? <laughs> where would I be? I mean, right. I have found a full blown career in representation and I never thought that that even existed. Yeah. But yeah, no, the duty is absolutely um, real. I wake up knowing that that's my job and I go to sleep figuring out how I can do it better tomorrow. So yeah, that's all I'm working towards is the responsibility to create a thriving, safe, mission-driven, technology-based platform that can, again, be sustainable and scalable um, for South Asians. And, and the last two parts are tough. <laughs> I, yeah, and I was going to say, boy, that, that those are big brackets to sort of fill, right? I mean, um, let me ask you this. In, in trying to now take the responsibility forward and in some ways almost sort of generate the content. Um, is there some balance that you need to strike sometimes between narrating and, and directing the conversation versus listening and capturing the conversation? That, that's a tough balance to sometimes, you know, find and um, sounds like that happens, but, but how challenging or how easy for that matter is that balance to strike? It's such a good question and truly the balance I'm trying to figure out every day. So please come hang out with me and check out my um, editorial calendar later and you're going to have to start figuring it out for me. But no, there you it, go. Right. <laughs> it's such a challenge. Um, of course, the community does dictate the editorial content. Um, but when it comes to us as a business, um, I try my best to, you know, put out paid content that will resonate of course that's the whole point of what we're doing it still needs to resonate with our community but of course we do need to also keep our lights on and so that there's there's that's tough as well i mean i will not count how many brand sponsors i have said no to but i have said no to them because i know that their brand is not valued within the south asian community mm -hmm. i have worked on campaigns behind the scenes for five or six months and then unfortunately have had to step away from them right. so yes at the end of the day i do want to find that balance between keeping the lights on and the community dictating what's important for yeah. them but i think the community does win over many times you've now been you know like you said you you joined on doing this full time and, and you've been at this at a while 
Um, in, even in the short framework of how these cycles refresh themselves, what trends have you seen? Have you been able to now sort of reflect and take almost like a historical perspective of this and see what kinds of cycles or trends sort of emerge from not only just the content that you're making, but this whole kind of concept of a hyphenated identity, right? Um, what are some of your reflections on that? Are there things that just repeat themselves? Are there things that are brand new? And, and yes, every single day, every minute in the cycle tends to be brand new. How have you been able to navigate that? So, of course, definitely, I think the biggest change in terms of a trend in our hyphenated identity is the fact that we've all just become um, so beautifully accepting of who we are as hyphenated yeah. Indian Americans or Pakistani Canadians or Bangladeshi, Bangladeshi <laughs> folks living in Britain, right? It could be really any yeah. orientation of those identities. Um, and so, and of course, there's now so many, uh, thank God to the Blindian community, because now they are right. also um, showing face in full color as they should. But no, yeah, so I mean, it's been tough to navigate the space um, as hyphenated um, South Asians. But I, I think that's been the biggest upward change in, in terms of a positive change um, yeah. is that we are now just fully accepting of it. So because we are now fully accepting of it, where we are headed now is the stories we are telling. It's not necessarily because we are brown. The stories we are telling, it's because we are human. Like, yes, mm -hmm. there's still a brown South Asian element to it. But I think Hollywood is really, really pushing towards, hey, um, you know, don't cast me as the token brown person, cast me because I'm a really good actor or actress. So yeah. I think there are some spaces that are really pushing forward, um, maybe even a decade forward. And then there are some spaces that are still figuring out and lagging, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the overall consensus from my understanding is that we truly understand now in 2020, 2021, that we are South Asians with a hyphenated identity. And to bring both of those identities to the table makes us better, makes us stronger. And that is our USP. You're listening to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. After another quick break, we'll come back and rejoin our conversation with Trisha Sakujawalia. Stay tuned. I'm Abhay Dandekar, and welcome back to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. Let's rejoin our conversation with the CEO and co-founder of Brown Girl Magazine, Trisha Sakujawalia. I wonder if there's there's always, of course, balance um, to these kinds of things, right? That like, I can you still, you know, and if Hollywood's maybe the, the good example of this or even anything, can you still identify as being brown or in some hyphenated version of whatever that may be? and still perfect your craft without losing the notion that you are a brown actor, a brown ex person. Um, is there some kind of way to, to navigate through that? And on top of that, you know, from the even the hyphenated version, does that mean that, you know, have you ever gotten feedback from those who are not hyphenated, who's saying that like, no, I'm Bangladeshi. Um, and, you know, is there is there some value for them to actually proclaim that, no, I, I'm not a hyphenated person in that way? The only person who has said that is Bobby Jindal. He has called himself. Interesting. <laughs> wow. And I'll never forget it because that was definitely a monumental moment for me. I yeah. was like, oh, OK, 
Cool. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. Right. To each their own. So that's the only person that has said it not to me. Uh, it felt like it was to me. I was very offended when he said it, it was 2015. I think I had done a full blown keynote speech based on that uh, yeah. a couple of years ago at Michigan State University because I was just so bothered by him saying that I get it, but he was also in, from a different era. His parents came here so that they could be American and assimilate yeah. as Americans. But I thought that maybe he would want to champion um, right. his hyphenated identity. So yeah, so I think he's still the only person that has mentioned it to me. Other than that, I'm just so grateful that we truly are accepting of who, of who, right, what our roots are essentially and who our parents are. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, if if we can't carry on what our parents are, forget culture and everything. Just yeah. carrying the roots of who your parents are in this country. If you can't do that, and if you can't respect that in even the smallest ways in your life, mm. then I, I don't know. Read more Bronger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this. I mean, you know, uh, as even in the last three to five years, the last ten to fifteen years, we've all become that much more connected, right? Is there even more of a blur now between? are the, you know, the ideas that our parents' generation or even my generation are bringing to those now who are in their teens and now emerging as uh, leaders and creators and influencers in this space. Um, are, are those, are those uh, values or for that matter, those ideas, there, is there some similarity there, um, even though the methods and the ways in which they're being, those stories are being told are different? I think that there is, because there's just more acceptance, I believe it's just become a little bit easier to just be who you are um, in, all, in all ways, in all walks of life, not just our cultural and religious identity, but it truly in all. So I think, yes, I think it's a beautiful blur. I think also South Asian parents are realizing that, you know, our kids are growing up here and yeah. we have to let them be who they are based on their surroundings. Yeah. And that I think that they're just becoming more accepting of it. I will tell you though, I am so excited to now, you know, truly understand and uncover what the Gen Z community needs and wants from Brown Girl. And it's something that we have just started to work on. Um, Shreya, um, she's in-house at Brown Girl. Um, she is taking lead um, as our Gen Z editor. And now we have a pretty robust team of Gen Z contributors. So I'm still learning of what this new generation nice. needs and wants from a space like Brown Girl. And yeah. I'm so grateful that they they find it cool. Like right. I'm excited that 18 year olds find Brown Girl cool because exactly 10 years ago when I was 20, I found Brown Girl cool as hell. So yeah. to to now say that Brown Girl has truly surpassed one full generation, I mean, that's, that's probably yeah. the biggest moment of, wow, like that's a huge aha moment, realizing yeah. that what we're building is sustainable. Well, and it, you know, it's the the strike gold moment, right? If you can actually pass or if you can maintain the kind of trend or even the um, cutting edge, uh, vanguard of that, you know, from one generation to the other and, and go forward, that that's huge. Let, I mean, one thing that that brings to mind is I imagine that the fluidity of being in a digital space um, and even trying to archive things in that way makes it makes it challenging to create sort of a sticky relationship with different users and different, you know, groups of people. Um, how, how in now your eyes going forward, 
how do you still try and create that sort of individualized relationship with uh, an audience in a place where, you know, things are disposable, right? I mean, something that was trending 10 minutes ago um, is now gone. Absolutely. That's such an important distinction to make on a daily basis. But I think there's simple ways to do it. Replying back to comments is the simplest way Mm. to show an individual reader out of a hundred thousand that, hey, we see you, we see your comment and we appreciate it. And thank you, you know, or, hey, thanks for the feedback. We appreciate it. And we're going to do better. So, A simple reply via DM goes the longest way. A simple reply to our emails go the longest way. And also prefacing it with, hey, we're sorry for the delay, but we truly appreciate you reaching out to us. Those are the simple ways that we do it all day, every day. I cannot tell you how many of my emails start with a, hey, I'm sorry, but I really want to work with you. I really want to partner with you. Um, I know that at Brown Girl, we want to do it. It may just take us a little bit longer to do it because of limited bandwidth and resources. But I think the beauty of who I am as a person is I've always been a yes person. Um, And I think that has allowed me to um, discover and also uncover so many opportunities that I never would have if I had just said no. Um, And that's something I'm always trying to instill um, within Brown Girl, if you can't pick up a piece, an editorial piece, and you feel like in your vertical, this this piece is not a good piece to publish, make sure you're replying back and saying, hey, can you submit something else? And never end the conversation with, this piece is just not it, you know? And so the guest editors and the editors who are managing the 18 verticals at Brown Girl, they definitely have, you know, a lot of reinforcement from me saying, hey, never say no, because we thrive off of the community and user-generated content. And to say thanks to our community, we have to do it all day, every day. So if that's the only thing I'm saying is sorry and thank you, I'm going to keep doing it because the community is why Brown Girl is here and the community is why Brown Girl has now surpassed a full generation. Yeah. Well, and I love that optimism of not um, in some ways you can you can defer and you can bend, but, you know, it's not breaking. Right. There's never closed a closed door for someone to express themselves, which is you know such a uh, you know beautiful mission um, to have. Let me ask you this. And we only have a couple of minutes left, but um in thinking about this whole like experiment um, for yourself, how have you been able to, in some ways, cultivate trust for yourself, trust in yourself, trust in your teams, trust in, in the work you do? Um, how has that worked out for you now as, uh, as someone who, like I said, is, is taken on this mantle? Gosh, so, I mean, I can't tell you. I mean, every question is just so good. <laughs> just like, seriously, amazing. I love how you've been able to just, you know, take a deep dive at Brown Girl. Um, you know, I have been a trusting person, so I think that does help me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I There's just so many things on a daily basis that I am relying on other people for. You know, uh, I was just saying this to Hima yesterday. She's my community manager. Yeah. She got kicked out of my inbox, but she has access to my personal inbox. And I couldn't remember my password and she pulled it up for me and she's like, we need to save this password of yours. And I was like, you're right. We do. (laughs) The fact that I'm saying we do is like, I literally brought it up to her. I was like, I forget that you have access to my personal inbox, but it's accurate. You know, again, like 
I live inside of this gigantic community bubble. And, uh, and if I'm not trusting of the people who are sitting inside of this bubble and also externally, then I should just pack up and go get myself a nine to five that, <laughs> that yeah. I have, that I will do in silo. But the work I'm doing is anything but in silo. And right. I'm grateful for it because I thrive off of people. I'm better around people. And um, yeah, I'm a people person. And so that just instinctly makes me very trusting. Of course, that trust has been broken countless number of times, as you can imagine. Um, that's just how it happens <laughs> yeah. as a human. But somehow I've, I've I've still kept it going. So this optimism is no way um, a put on. This is, right. this is really who I am. <laughs> well, yeah. and it's it, the, the idea of trust being a self-generating um, cycle, right? I mean, you give uh, and give and build community and the idea of trust in yourself and your team just blossoms and it flourishes and it evolves and it breathes. And it's such a nice thing to see. Um, Trisha, thank you so much for joining us. This was such a lovely conversation. I hope you'll come back and join us again. Absolutely. I am just so drawn in by your questions. I appreciate your no. time and your willingness to um, to show and um, tell people what Brown Girl does and what, what we are all about. So I appreciate oh, the awesome. work you're doing. And please continue to tell stories in the way that you are, because oh. I know that I'm officially hooked and will be listening to all your episodes. Well, I'm very grateful to Trisha for that kind sentiment. And you can check out all of our episodes every Monday, Tuesday on Ruckus Avenue Radio and wherever you get your podcast. Listen and subscribe. And you can follow us also on Instagram and Twitter at MyGoodFraint. A big shout out to the best of the best, Jake and Jessica, for sharing some cookies made with hella love from Oakland's own Chocolate Mama Cookies. I'm telling you, run, don't walk to go get some. Seriously. Till next time, I'm Abhay Dandika. Because every story told is a lesson learned. Because every lesson learned is a story waiting to be told. I'm Abhay Dandekar, and I share stories about South Asian people and their purpose. And what they're saying over and over again is, trust me, I know what I'm doing. Hear it every Monday, Tuesday on Ruckus Avenue Radio or wherever you get your podcast. Hi, this is Farhan Tahir and you're listening to Ruckus Avenue Radio.